Good morning, church. Hey, as we get started, um, kids, last week during um, our time together, we talked about, we gave out little black cards on boards like this, and we talked about, we'd love for you to draw out a picture of the passage that we're reading each week as we lead towards Christmas and celebrating that. Today, we're in Luke chapter two. You can turn your Bibles there, church, if you would like. We're talking about the journey that Mary and Joseph made to Bethlehem. So kids, mom and dad, it's okay. If you didn't get one of these on your way in, at each door in the baskets, there's a blue table. They're welcome to get up and move and do that for a minute while they grab that if they would like to, mom and dad. Um, if, they, if you wouldn't like them to do that, that's all right. They can draw on something right there in their lap just the same. I'm not trying to create any Christmas mis, you know, memories the wrong way. I do love the excitement coming around here, though. This is awesome. Hey, um, a couple of things I want to walk you through. First of all, uh, we got away uh, last month. I'll remind you each week, and we, as a staff, we were talking about um, what God is calling us towards and how can we honor him uh, as we lead our church into next year. And last week, we, we laid that out just a little bit. We talked about how we were going to be working our theme and working in prayer. Our theme next year is rooted and how we're going to be playing that out in Bible study and prayer together. Um, and this week, a graphic is going to pop up on the screen. I want to screen. And I want to let you know just about a little bit. We started after pulling a lot of resources together. Um, during the week, we looked at a lot of different things. Our discipleship team um, had conversations. Jorge was on the phone and, and chatting with other youth ministers. And as we pulled resources together, um, we put the framework together for what we are calling the family discipleship journey. And what this family discipleship journey is, is put together to do is to help in a cohesive way from a, to help you as a family raise children under the, the, the name and the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ from age zero through when they graduate high school. And, and what that's meant to do is to show how we are going to help uh, develop biblical truths from the time that they are young and how we are gonna plan intentionally to help that grow in understanding so that when they leave our church uh, as young adults, that they will be ready to enter into the world with the confidence of their faith and knowing on what they stand. And so we've set aside, uh, pulling together these resources, some key markers in every age group. We've started to design, um, not family retreats for all of these things, but because our vision is to believe empower parents and grandparents to be the primary spiritual influencers, we're going to put together resources to help you cultivate that discipleship relationship within your family through special markers and celebrations through the years so that all of their spiritual remembrances and markers aren't connected to a pastor who when they're 18, they may never see again because God's led them to a different part of the country or the world or a church. But you they'll see again and so we want to help anchor this spiritual discipleship path in the family relationship utilizing our key resources that we have on Sunday morning Wednesday night and throughout the week and so we are really excited as we've been putting this together this is probably our biggest project that we have been developing is what does it look like for a young preschooler we call that a, a baby all the way through a, a, a teenager graduating high school how to have a ministry that is aligned to hand off discipleship together as a team surrounding the families of our church as we raise our children 
to follow Jesus Christ. So we're really excited about that. And so uh, we've, we've laid it out. Um, we will be in a few weeks after Christmas taking time to really unfold what that looks like, how you can be involved in it, and how you can start today. And what you might say is, Pastor David, I have a 14-year-old already. I wish I would have started this when they were a baby. Well, the best time to plant an oak tree would have been when they're a baby. But the next best time is when? Now. So listen, you're exactly right. If you start discipling your children in the Lord at zero, that's the best time to do it. But it's never too late to turn them over to Jesus with intentionality. We believe that, so we're gonna journey together through it, all right? So we're excited about that and for what it has come into play. Um, we'll unfold our, our last piece next week um, as we get excited to see uh, how the Lord lets all of these plans uh, play out because we believe they honor him. Uh, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter two is where we are today. Uh, this is a story maybe you've heard uh, a few times. Um, I, I don't know about you, but... Um, I do have favorite Christmas movies. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie in here? So ours, ours, it's really just me and Connor, is Home Alone, right? Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, but the first two for sure. And this is what we realized when we were watching that with Connor for the first time, like we were stopping it all the time, like, oh, that would have killed him, son. <laughs> oh, don't do that at home, son someone's going to the hospital like we're warning all the way through this movie all the way through but now we've been watching it for so long we don't do that anymore we watch it and if we if the phone rings I'll get up and take a phone call during the movie we still love watching it it brings back great memories it makes us laugh but we know what's coming we know how it's going to work out in the end if you haven't seen it yet that's okay I won't tell you the good guys win the bad guys lose it's all okay but but we're not we're not glued to it like the first time we watched it together because we already know how it's going to work. So it loses a little bit of its fun. I think the Christmas story we can treat like a movie we've seen over and over and over again, right? Because Mary and Joseph had, had to leave where? Nazareth to go to Bethlehem. Why? because there was a census when she was in Bethlehem she had a what a baby like you got it you got it it's just real easy to just walk through the story like that but but I want to do something different today I actually want to dwell for a moment and just pretend because it's true that this is a real story with real people that are really going through what we're going to read because it's chaos. It, it, it's crazy, crazy chaos. Let's read it together. Verse one, and what we'll do is we'll read down at the very first beginning here through verse seven of chapter two. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That's the whole Roman world. It, it, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, they came, there came the time for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. You see, the story on its surface is really familiar. But, but let me tell you, that I think it's very fair. I think it would be realistically accurate to say from the moment Joseph heard Mary was with child with the Messiah his life was turned upside down none of this was played out like it was supposed to and all of a sudden here they are about to have a baby and once again chaos ensues at our house this week we had chaos in fact it's funny when I was prepping my notes prior I, I wrote down illustration here of a crazy time at Christmas in your family um, <laughs> well Monday of this week uh, Christy was in uh, who is here with us doing fantastic but she was in a really rough car accident um, one that uh, had her car ending up upside down uh, and uh, lots of people surrounding her as we drove up to her it was crazy it was chaotic now the beauty of this moment for the plan of God and the glory of God is what we give him glory about is when I come up I'm have her on the phone with me when I have her on the phone with me we're talking and this is what I hear her saying no I'm good thank you I'm good <laughs> this is the weirdest I've just been in an accident and I'm upside down conversation I've ever had no I'm good Okay, crawl out through that window. Like, face first. I walk up to the scene, and she's already in the ambulance getting attended to. And I talked to the police officer, and he said, I never in my life thought I would walk up and see your wife sitting in, on the roof of the car waiting for us to knock out a window so she could come out and get checked out. She walked away and we went to the ER. Much to moms, y'all don't like doing stuff like that. I get it. Um, finding out that really all she was going to have was a little bump on her head that would sink and give her a little black eye later on. Not sore, not hurting, not in pain. But it was chaos because in the middle of that going on, she's saying, I'm so sorry. I know we didn't plan to buy a car right now. And we can giggle about that, but Christy knows I'm a weird type person. And so she was coming home to meet me because we were putting in her Christmas present into her old car. We were going to put a new radio in so that she could talk like the rest of us with Apple CarPlay and be happy. And, and we had a great plan. We've got a budget. And, and then this accident happens that makes a car unimportant, a radio unimportant, life all important. And we're talking about all of these things. And what's been amazing as we've laid next to each other at night is every night this week, there has been more giggling and laughing in our bed before we fall asleep than probably any week in recent history. You see, it's been chaotic. It's been crazy. But looking back, I can tell you this. From the moment we were on the phone together on the way to that accident, even to this point, 
our king has been glorified in our hearts because it's been unimaginable. And although we will never wish to go through that again, the Lord can hear that confession. We'll never wish for it again. It will become a marker in our life because God was glorified in a way he wouldn't have been if we'd have just gone to Best Buy and put that radio in his car that afternoon. But when we're in the chaos, we're not always looking back with 2020 vision, are we? We're not always looking back with that eyesight. We're often just consumed by the chaos. And here's what I want you to know. You're normal. You see, when we read scripture, when we look back on it, we can give God glory, prophecies fulfilled, all of this stuff happens. What a wonderful thing. I'm so glad Luke included it in his story. But when we do that, we we can miss the lesson for us in scripture. We can just totally fly past it because we're just so used to watching the story. So listen to the story, verses one through five, one more time. The Lord records it this way. He says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. I don't want you to read this hindsight yet because I want you to be here. An evil, uber-liberal Caesar, I mean, dictator, president, authority, who flaunts his unbiblical, un-God-honoring, sexually immoral lifestyle and pushes it on everybody else who's got an ego that wouldn't fit in the church when my wife is nine months pregnant about to give birth decides it's the time to make me do something else that proves he's ridiculous joseph probably heard that and he probably thought prophecy's going to be fulfilled this is going to be such a great day <laughs> I mean, let me just pour the math out for you. Mary's nine months pregnant. The journey is 90 miles. If you walk or ride a donkey, eight hours a day at two and a half miles per hour, that's a 24 minute mile for all of you guys, then it's a four day experience. Nine months pregnant, it's the desert. There's danger on the way. If you don't want to rock, no problem. There's a donkey. Pregnant ladies, are you thinking, whoa, what an awesome option. This is going to be great. See, if, if I'm Joseph, this ridiculous man is forcing me to take my pregnant bride on this dangerous journey simply to feed his ego glory to God not at all 
Mary, ladies, I tried to put myself in your shoes, but it's a shorter statement. What would be going through your mind? Pleasant thoughts about Caesar? Like, think back to Gabriel. He told me I'm having the son of God. I bet he's, I bet God's at work through this Caesar man wanting me to make this ridiculous journey. Nine months pregnant. I wonder if her prayer was, Lord, just let the baby hold till I'm back home around family again. Because Joseph's in a mood. He's been watching the news again. It's already started. Do you feel the annoyance of this moment? It's completely out of their control and it reminds them that there are outside forces impacting their life that they can do nothing about and they must be subject to. They must obey. This is so different than anything they would have ever planned to achieve the best outcome to take care of the son of the living God. Have you had a moment like that? You had plans. Maybe you have been a bad husband at Christmas for many years. And this year you plan to be different. And then your boss called and told you you have to take a trip. Moms, you were gonna plan this year. The house isn't gonna be outside chaotic. It's, it's gonna be good. When people walk in, cinnamon's gonna come from your house, right? Pine cones near the fireplace, cookies on the counter. In fact, you've lined up a proper way to open presents together that gives everybody a chance to be celebrated and loved. And then your sister's kids come in and they rip the whole, do they even live inside? Are you thinking in that moment, I wonder if God's gonna fulfill a prophecy. <laughs> no. It, in these moments when we are reminded that things are outside of our control, it can be frustrating. But here's what I want you to be aware of. As much as this moment of Caesar having no idea that God was using him to bring the Lord and the King of Kings glory to fulfill his promises, you and I, every day that we walk with Jesus Christ, God is not absent. You are not a part of the story in some random string of life. You're a part of his story by his choosing. And so what is going on in your world? There's always a way for him to be seen because he, he's not out of control just because you are. Romans 13, one says this, let every person be subject to his own authority. Oh, that's hard. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. What that means is there's no crazy Caesar out there in the whole world that has authority to act outside of the authority of the king. I'm not saying that that means God signs off on sin, but it does mean that their authority doesn't usurp his, which means he's at work even in their sinful fallen state. Daniel chapter two, verse 37 and verse 38. Daniel's talking to the king. All right, and he says this, 
You, O King of kings, to whom God of all the heavens has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. And those whose hand he's given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them, you're the head of gold. Here's this big tower going on. He, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, you're the gold head of this idol that will stand through the ages that will eventually fall down. But you didn't put yourself there. Even that was out of your control. God was always in control and it was for his glory. John chapter 19, verse 11. And Jesus answered him, talking to Pilate, about to be crucified you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above therefore he who delivered me over to you he has the greater sin he's talking about Judas here but in this big picture what he's saying is God is in control and so instead of just flying by these first five verses and thinking, yep, prophecy fulfilled, I'm gonna check my Bible study bookmark off, pass the Bible quiz on Facebook that they always say only one in every 47,000 people can pass, they're lying. I know some of you are like, I'm not that smart. I didn't say that. That's between you and your spouse. I'm just telling you, it's not about checking off boxes. There are just gonna be moments in your life that seem unbearable and they grab you. And what they're doing is they're tempting you to grab hold of the rotten fruit. This fruit that just, that just wants to yield and reflect back to whatever's out of your control, something angry and sinful back at it. But here's what I want you to hear. Don't bite that fruit in your frustration. Whether it be this Christmas or whether it be tomorrow, or whether it be in April. I think God inspired Luke to record this so that you and I would be reminded to hold fast, to endure in those times, to know that God is in control even when I can think of 107 different ways to give you glory, God than losing my job, being in a car accident, losing someone I love, or having another chaotic Christmas where three relatives leave crying. Will you endure and glorify God even when things outside of your control are making an impact on your life? Verse six, let's read along. The Bible says it this way. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. <laughs> Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Has it been a pleasant journey if it's your family so far? No. In my family, it wouldn't have been. Pregnant wife on a donkey, four days, eight hours a day. Not pleasant. We've been praying the whole time. Let us get back home. And we get into town, and what happens? It's time. You know what the first word out of my mouth would have been? Can't you hold it? <laughs> it's just, we'll do this real quick and we'll go home. <laughs> I, 
I can totally imagine Mary and Joseph saying, are you kidding me? We're trying to be good citizens. We've tried not to complain because God gave us this child as a blessing and that blessing would be the whole world. But God, can't we just catch a break? It's just like dominoes, like one's falling after the other. And I I mean, I want to blame Caesar, but been doing that for four days and my wife's already told me I can't do that anymore. She's tired of hearing it. But God, there's only one other person I can be upset with. And I don't want to say it. Don't worry, Job's wife will say it for you. Job's wife in Job chapter 2, verse 9. Here he is, suffering. All these things have impacted his life. And he's trying to stand firm, but now he's breaking out with disease. And lovingly, his beloved wife says, just curse God and die. Now in that moment, I'm probably saying, God, why didn't you take her? Like, leave something else. The cow, I don't know. <laughs> like, seriously, can you imagine your wife? Like, I'm ready for you to go, honey. But to do it first, you need to point the finger where it belongs. You curse God. Uh, that's hard to swallow sometimes, isn't it? Have you ever made a road trip with a toddler? They're awesome. See, when you're young, or when we were young, the older we get, we don't do it as much anymore. But we planned our stops. You're going to go to the bathroom and eat at the same place because you're going to deal with screaming for 40% of however long you're in the car. So if you're in the car for three hours, 40% of three hours is less than 40% of six hours. Amen? Like, we don't have to be math kings to understand that. And so the quicker we get through this, the better we do it. And some of you are crazy enough to think, oh, we're going to drive at night because eventually they'll fall asleep. They will after screaming at you for 40%. It's going to happen. You can't dodge it. So the only answer is get there as quick as you can. And so your first stop goes through. You, you eat lunch. Everybody go to the bathroom. No, I don't need to. Oh, what? <laughs> Everybody needs to go. Try. Try. I can will it on you. <laughs> Dad, I can't. I can't. All right. Well, you better not. I won't, Daddy. 30 minutes later, it's now dark outside. The streetlights don't work where you are currently and you're not familiar with this road because an accident blocked the way you knew. And all of a sudden, Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. Your first words are, what? Can it wait? No, but I told you to go back there. But that, back there, what happened? I didn't have to. So now... You look like you're in one of those bad movies you remember watching you weren't supposed to watch as a child. And you pull up to a gas station that you're pretty sure in the bathroom lives things that are being studied as weapons of mass destruction. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I mean, there are three. You can't be mad. I mean, you can, but you, you know, you, have you been there? 
Mary and Joseph have already been on this journey. And they're in this moment. I just wonder if they just think, is creation itself against us? I would have planned this differently, God. If, if, I, if I was writing the story, not that you're a bad story writer, the couple would have miraculously made it home before having the baby. If I were writing the story, we wouldn't be uncomfortable, sore, and angry with one another. How are we fighting and the Messiah is in my wife's belly? This can't be good. You can't be involved in this. Hebrews 4.15, the babe would become a priest. And scripture says that we have a great high priest speaking on behalf of us to the Father who has been through it all. Who's been through it all. Rough road trips, all the stares, all the looks, as if domino after domino would say, Can't, couldn't he catch a break? But we know the story. What happened to Job at the end of the story? I give you permission to turn to the last page. He's abounding. God has replaced all of his sorrow with abundance. Think about Joseph in, in Genesis. His brothers hated him so much they wanted to kill him, but the backup plan that was gracious was selling him into human trafficking. That's the backup plan. And his story ended up bringing God more glory than he would have ever imagined. Look at David, a shepherd boy forgotten, not even thought enough about by his dad to come out when the prophet came to town. But his story ended up amazing. Even though those men had no control over their story, And they wouldn't have written them the way that they were written. The way that they were written created something better than they would have ever thought on their own. Listen to what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34. Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, What do we wear? Where shall we drink? What will we wear? What will we eat, drink, and wear? For the Gentiles, they're worried about these things. And the Heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Listen. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Why? <laughs> for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Have you ever played the game, what would have happened if? What would have happened if God didn't intervene here? What would have happened if, yada, yada, yada? What Jesus is saying here is stop it. Stop it. Stop playing the what if game. Because every time you live in tomorrow, you'll live in anxiousness. And I made you for better. 
But somehow along the way, we think scripture is wrong and we're right. But God, if I think about tomorrow, it takes me out of today, which is preferable to the frustration that I'm feeling. And Jesus would say, absolutely incorrect. Thinking about tomorrow continues the frustration and the anxiety of today because you're looking at yourself in the mirror as you dwell upon your future. Instead, trust me. Trust me that when creation feels like it's completely against you, that I am at work. And look for me. Just like you look for Jesus in Mary's story, it's easy to say, it's okay. We know what Caesar's doing. Fulfill a prophecy. It's going to be all right. No, the Lord is saying exactly creation's not out to get you even in your worst moments but I'm still not sure Joseph is in that mindset I'm not sure I would have been and I don't want to make Joseph David but look at verse 7 because to me this is like the cream of the crop and she that's Mary gave birth to her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end what a sweet picture perfectly kept wooden roof stable probably had a pergola on the side some vines growing up on this side roses I mean they don't grow there but it's okay here she is wearing that perfectly blue outer garment super clean childbirth was effortless I'm certain no crying he made the song said it and the animals, they, <laughs> it's so wrong, isn't it? It's so wrong. If the animals were kept in a barn under the house, it was the way you heated a house in the winter because they heated one another up and it came through. What do you think heated it up? eating and sleeping and living in the same quarters it would have smelled horrible it would have been gross if it's a cave it doesn't matter watch where you step honey but I need to sit down to give birth not there right wrapped him in swaddling clothes after four days on the road it's good it's a clean pick laid him in a manger which is a stone feeding trough do you know what we'd use a feeding trough for feeding animals do you think the animals and they could have miraculously in preparation for god saliva that thing perfectly clean <laughs> right just all of a sudden that's what, what is it like like a dog's mouth has 97 percent less that's not true I mean, even at their best, cleaning out, for me, the excitement of Jesus is born. With God, I must be such a loser. I can't even give your son 
a place that is clean. And I've been yelling at Mary. I've been on this trip, and it's not Caesar's fault, and it's not creation's fault. Have you ever been there? God, I I just want to quit. Like, can I can I quit before the story starts? Because I don't like who I've become. I don't like who I am. And I'd love to blame it on Caesar. And I would love to blame it on the terrain. But just just feel like I keep messing it up. Okay, help me look strong for Mary. I think there's a vulnerable moment that that Joseph probably is in if he's a normal person like me and God may have made him much, much stronger and that's okay. Where I'd have just said, God, I know you don't make mistakes. So I don't know what I've done this far, but I'm sorry. I think this is where the enemy wants us. I think this is where he says, I've been failing all along the way and God has had me at this moment. But I actually wonder as well if God needs us to be honest with ourselves. With Joshua, he would say it this way. We're coming to a tipping point. You choose today who you're gonna serve. Are you serving yourself? Is this all about you? Is this about how you've navigated your life and how you wanna do something for others? Or is it about the Lord? Who are you gonna pick? Are you going to run or are you going to receive? And I will tell you, church, in our own life, you cannot just receive as long as you're looking in the mirror. If, if Mary and Joseph are in this part of their life alone, not looking forward to who Lord, the Lord is, not remembering back to what God is, I don't know how you make it through as a couple in this moment. But they did because of where their eyes were set. And this morning, I want you to know, I don't know where you are in your story. Maybe this scene feels so unfamiliar from you, from this praise of life, and it's something you can give glory to God for. And that's okay, and that's good. But don't wipe away this story as if it's just seven sentences in a book that we read once a year. Because let me tell you what happened in this story. If all of those things didn't happen, then verse 8 through 18, they wouldn't have happened. No shepherds, no star, no unbelievable moment. No prophecies fulfilled, no prophecy laid out. No reminders in your darkest days that the God who laid down promises hundreds of years before they were ever fulfilled proved himself faithful again and again and again. None of that happens. 
None of it happens if something outside of Mary and Joseph's control created them to go on a journey where creation itself proved it out of their control, met with a moment where even the best that Joseph and Mary had to offer seemed embarrassing. Now look in your Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and they pondered them in their hearts. Trash became treasure. I want to pull you to your story. You see, the beauty of this moment is the shepherds came and saw and they left praising God. And God said, Mary treasured all of it in her heart. Not part of it, all of it. Like the journey, like the having a baby in a foreign town, like the laying your child, the son of the living God, in this thing. It became a treasure. Because the beauty of God captivated her eye and the glory of God made beautiful all the rubbish that she couldn't understand when she was in the moment. That gift is not just for her. It's for you. It's for me. And so this Christmas, let me invite you into the story that God has been writing in your life. Do you, do you realize if you are a Jew or a Gentile in the room, Jew or not Jew, that you are evidence of prophecies fulfilled? Like you are. Do you realize that this story, foreign and familiar, was recorded not just for the purpose of historical record, but to encourage you to keep your eye on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who had it rougher than you and me. And his mom still treasured it all. And that gift is offered to everyone in the room. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't be able to put your hands around it. Because if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, then your lips, your mind, and your heart are still pretending that you're in control. Even though you know you're a liar. The question is, will you believe? Will you trust the author of that story with the pages of yours? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you so much for Mary and Joseph. Lord, part of me is like, I'm so glad that that wasn't part of my story. How hard it could be. Well, God, I know in my life, I have very similar markers. 
Lord, it's not hard to to picture where Joseph was because I feel like I've been there with less important matters and failed you way bigger. But you turned the trash of a moment into treasure. So Lord, this morning, Lord, I just pray over those who are dealing with circumstances and situations that are being put upon them by others who are not fans of your name or maybe those who are and are in rebellion. Lord, would you help them endure so that this moment would not be one to escape, but one day would be one to celebrate. Lord, would you, would you just allow those in the room, Lord, who it just feels like creation itself isn't allowing them to catch a break. Lord, don't let them flee. Don't let them curse. Don't let them quit. But instead, God, let them endure trusting that even with this trash, you will change ashes into beautiful things. That your name might be praised and we might not miss out on an ounce of what you've planned. And God, I know there are some in this room who just want to throw in the towel or they just feel like a failure. Lord, right now, would you let the light of the living God and the beauty of his testimony to remind them that you hold them in your hands and you didn't receive them because of what they did or who they are, but that you took them where they were and you're the one at work in them, not vice versa. But we praise you for Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.